Do you know the meaning of a worldview? Could you define the Christian worldview? Are you aware of the competing worldviews that are currently attacking Christianity? Stay tuned for a presentation by one of Christendom's greatest experts on worldviews. Lamb and Lion Ministries presents Christ in Prophecy, a program that focuses on the fundamentals of Bible prophecy, showing how current events in the news relate to biblical predictions of end-time events and the soon return of Jesus. Now, here's your host, Dr. David Reagan. Greetings in the name of Jesus, our blessed hope, and welcome to Christ in Prophecy. During the last weekend of June each year, we conduct a Bible conference in the Dallas, Texas area. Our conference theme for 2010 was Defending the Faith. We had six speakers who spoke in defense of the fundamentals of Christianity. Our leadoff speaker was Brandon House, the founder and director of Worldview Weekend, an organization that sponsors Worldview conferences all across our nation every year with over 30,000 people attending. Brandon is the author of eight books and is the host of a nationally broadcast radio program which features his biblical commentaries on current events. Brandon's topic at our conference was the truth of the Christian worldview. He began by explaining that a worldview consists of the basic values that determines a person's decisions. Thus, a person with a Christian worldview would be one who believes in God, believes in the Bible as the Word of God, believes that Jesus was the Son of God, believes that man is basically evil, and believes that faith in Jesus is mankind's only hope. Brannon emphasized that there is a worldview war going on between Christianity and five other predominant worldviews, namely secular humanism, cosmic humanism, better known as the New Age movement, postmodernism, Islam, and Marxism. He then began to elaborate on the key individuals who have undermined the Christian worldview here in the United States, beginning with John Dewey, who shaped the modern American educational system. Before we share with you what Brandon had to say about Dewey, let me point out that his presentation was based on his latest book titled Grave Influence. In the book, he presents 21 persons who are undermining America and impacting the world from the grave. And now, here is Brandon House speaking about John Dewey. I'm waiting for more people to explain to the American people when the great transformation in America happened. And it largely began aggressively in 1933 when John Dewey, the father of modern education, who signed the Humanist Manifesto, who started the Socialist Society in America, who went to Russia in 1920 to study the Karl Marx way of education and then came back to America to teach it at Columbia University. Uh, John Dewey, who who, uh, was involved in helping start the American Communist Leftist Union, you know the as the American Civil Liberties Union, uh, when, when John Dewey brought the Frankfurt School to America in 1933, that's when things really began to speed up. And these were German intellectuals who'd been in Germany, and they started their, what we call now the Frankfurt School, in 1923 in Germany. And they helped lay the academic and worldview foundation for the acceptance of Adolf Hitler. And they taught Friedrich Nietzsche, who said, God is dead. Not only is God dead, but we can smell his rotting corpse. What do you mean? We have killed the idea of God and the conscience of the people. 
My friends, we have largely killed the idea of God in the conscience of a whole generation, and we are about to reap the consequences, I fear, with our next Holocaust after the murder of 53 million babies, which is going to be active and is active euthanasia, particularly through the rationing of health care. I've asked my radio audience to send me uh, stories of active euthanasia, and this last week I've been flooded with nurses and family members and hospice workers detailing active euthanasia, and it is this generation that has been taught the idea of Nietzsche, who's one of the most read authors on college campus today, God is dead. It doesn't matter how you live. The highest calling in life is to serve the state. Nihilism or nihilism. Life has no meaning aside from serving the state. And when you can no longer serve the state, you are not productive human resource. You are just in the way. And the right to die is now becoming the duty to die. And a whole generation, multiple generations now, have been taught the lifeboat scenario. Five of the lifeboat, provisions for four. Who is the least valuable? Who must go over for the good of the group? And my friends, educators, parents, professors who taught this to one generation after another are going to be the ones who find themselves being thrown over the lifeboats. Nietzsche said we need a spiritualized cruelty. The Frankfurt School studied Nietzsche. Hitler studied Nietzsche. Hitler liked to have his picture taken staring at a bust of Nietzsche. Nietzsche had, uh, Hitler had the works of Nietzsche edited and hand off to Mussolini. And so when the finally uh, the, 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 the Nazi party came to full power, the Frankfurt School folks got nervous. And so they left America, or left Germany and came to America at the invitation of John Dewey in 1933. Now, who are some of these radicals that are ruling from the grave that I look at in the book Grave Influence? Well, one of them is Alice Bailey. Now, this will show you just how seriously of a spiritual battle this is. Alice Bailey was like, um, and is really like many young people today. She was involved in Christian ministry work. She said she read her Bible every night. But one night she set aside her Bible, which she was in the habit of reading, and she picked up a book by Helena Blavatsky, an occultist. The Secret Doctrine was the name of the book. This is who Adolf Hitler also studied. And as she read this demonic book, she ended up meeting her own demon. The Tibetan is what she called him. And together they wrote over 24 books totaling 10,000 pages. Now, I don't want to give too much credibility to demons tonight, but I do want to show you some of the things that she said so you can understand just how serious this spiritual battle really is. Alice Bailey is what the Scriptures warned us about in 1 Timothy 4.1. Now, the Spirit especially says that in a later time, some would abandon the faith or depart from the faith and follow deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And that is happening today. And I'll talk about that more. Here's what her and her demons said. The hierarchy is struggling hard with the so-called forces of evil. And the new group of world servers is the instrument. So the new group of world servers will be the instrument to battle the forces of evil. You know who the forces of evil are? Christians. And the new group of world servers will be the instrument. I'll tell you who they are in just a minute. These forces of evil, uh, the entrenched ancient ideas which must now disappear if the new age is to be ushered in as desired. Look, she's using the phrase new age or new age movement. That's your pagan spirituality, your, your, uh, your cosmic humanism. And the old established rhythms, said her and her demon in their books, 
inherent in the old forms of religion, of politics, and of social order must give place to newer ideals, to the synthetic understanding and to the new order. Notice that phrase again, new order or new world order. The media always laughs at us when we use that phrase, new order or new world order. Folks, we are only quoting the elite. We're only quoting them. This is exactly what Henry Kissinger said on the stock floor of the stock exchange just days before Barack Obama was inaugurated. He said he has the chance to usher in the new world order. A few days later, he wrote an article in the International Herald in uh, January of 2009 and said, chance for new world order. Gorbachev wrote an article the exact same week saying the financial crisis is the chance for global governance. You had the prime minister then of Great Britain, uh, Brown, come out at the end of one of the G20 meetings and say, this is the beginning of the new world order. You had the new installed of January of 2010, the new full-time first installed president of the European Union, who in late 09 said that 2009 was the beginning of the new world order. I'm only giving you their phrases. Where does this phrase come from? It comes right out of the demonic realm. Through the medium of certain great and outstanding personalities who are particularly sensitive to the will to power. Have you heard that phrase before, the will to power? That's Nietzsche. Nietzsche said the highest calling in life is the will to power. It doesn't matter how you get it, just as long as you get it and maintain it. It doesn't matter how you get it. In fact, he said, Nietzsche said, there's not right, there's not wrong. All there is is the will to power. He even wrote a book called Beyond Good and Evil. He said, we got to get beyond good and evil. All there is is the will to power. He, he wrote a book later called The Antichrist. He used to sign his own letter sometime, Frederick Nietzsche, the Antichrist, sometimes just the Antichrist. It was the last book that he wrote. Within days of him finishing it, he went nuts and spent the next 10, 11 years out of his mind. But his book was called The Antichrist. He was involved in the demonic realm, I truly believe. And here is the fair, another person involved in the demonic realm, Alice Bailey, saying with her demon that what is the calling in life? The will to power. So these people who are part of the new group of world servers who will be the the uh, instrument to destroy the forces of evil, Christianity, to usher in the new age, are people who are particularly sensitive to the will to power. They have altered the character and their national life and emphasize increasingly the wider human values. These men inspired the initiation. Who are some of these people? Well, you got Mussolini, Hitler, Stalin. These are who are part of the new group of world servers, she says. There are people who are particularly sensitive to the Shambla forces, the demonic forces. Who would be your members of the new group of world servers today? I think I just named off a lot of them for you a while ago. Those calling for the new order, the new world order for global governance, for sustainable development, which we don't have time to go into, which is the new buzzword coming out of the UN in 1992, for the destruction of Christianity, the implementation of global governance, pagan spirituality, abortion on demand, population control, prosecution of Christians, end of parental authority, all comes under what's called sustainable development from the UN in 92 with Maurice Strong and Gorbachev. Maurice Strong, I quoted in my book in 95, said... The only hope of the world is that the industrialized civilizations collapse. Isn't it our responsibility to bring that about? And indeed, they're bringing it about today on purpose. These are the agents, said her, Alice and her, and her demon, creators of the new order, destroyers of, what, of destroyers of what must be destroyed. What are they wanting to destroy? Christianity. Her and her demons said that they would implement this new order three ways, teaching pluralism to children. That means all religions are equal. Pluralism. All religions are equal. Except, of course, Christianity. That's bigoted and intolerant. 
Is that happening today? Pluralism? Oh, indeed. Two, reject the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. No, not John 14, 6. Jesus is the only way. All roads lead to God. We just call Oprah said, there could not possibly be just one way to God. There are millions of ways. And then she said, teach people to tap into their unconscious mind and discover that they are God. And here's Oprah. She's been teaching this with uh, Eckhart Tolle and other New Agers that she's been pushing and promoting. And on on her XM site radio show about a year and a half ago, she taught this lady's book, another one of the 21 radicals I look at in the book Grave Influence, Helen Shookman. Helen Shookman taught at Columbia University, and uh, she also consulted a demon. And she, by the way, Alice Bailey wrote her book by going into a trance and through automatic writing. Automatic writing. Helen Shookman, however, wrote her New Age book, A Course in Miracles, which became the New Age Bible, over 600 pages. She wrote it by going into a trance and listening to what a demon would say, and then she would write it down in shorthand. And then she would read it back later to one of her college friends or professor friends who would then type it up. And they did this in secret, and what was born was the book, A Course in Miracles. And Oprah taught it last year on her XM satellite radio show about a year and a half ago. Hebrews 13.9 says, don't be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Here's another one of the radicals I look at in the book. Karl Marx. All these people, by the way, hate God. You know what? You know what Helen Shookman said, by the way, in her book? She said certain things like, salvation comes from me. Don't make the pathetic error of clinging to the old rugged cross. Jesus is a man like any other. Sin is not real. Sin is lack of love. And you know what? Karl Marx, like Alice Bailey, remember Alice Bailey read her Bible every night and was involved in uh, Christian ministry work before she turned to the occult? Same thing with Karl Marx. He claimed to be a Christian as a young man. I even have poetry written by him, beautiful Christian poetry. But sometime after high school, he turned and got into the demonic realm. His own father believed he was also possessed. I quote that in the book. And Karl Marx said, my objective in life is to dethrone God and destroy capitalism, end quote. My objective in life is to dethrone God and to destroy capitalism, Karl Marx. He was involved in Satanism, wrote a play dripping with Satanism, I believe. Karl Marx, the father of Marxism, the Communist Manifesto with Engels, and he said, I wish to avenge myself against the one who rules above. The idea of God is the keynote of a perverted civilization. It must be destroyed. Marx said, man looked for a superhuman being in the fantastic reality of heaven and found nothing there but the reflection of himself. Here is John Maynard Keynes. John Maynard Keynes is from taught at Harvard University. He's the man. You know, reality is this: you got Karl Marx, Marxism. John Maynard Keynes, that's Marxism. Keynesian economics is another word for Marxism. You got Marxism, communism, socialism being the economic philosophy of Marx, and you got Keynesian economics. Same thing. You might as well say Marxism. You can say Keynesian economics, or you can say Marxism. You can say Marxism, or you can say Keynesian economics. It's the same thing. And this is John Maynard Keynes from Harvard University. In fact, this is what Joan Robbins, a Marxist economist who was a friend and worked with Keynes, said. The only difference between Marx and Keynes are verbal. John Maynard Keynes is the one who's responsible for the depression being longer and deeper by saying that when there's an economic slowdown, the government becomes the primary spender, the government becomes the primary employer. Sound familiar? And Larry Sumners, the president's chief financial man here now today, 2010, says 
when asked on television, who influenced your thinking more than anyone else? Without hesitation, he said, John Maynard Keynes. Oh, I cannot tell you the number of elected officials I've seen on television saying Keynesian economics is what we need. Keynesian economics is what we need. Printing of money. The government becomes the primary spender, the primary employer. And what was the objective of John Maynard Keynes? Well, John Maynard Keynes was a Fabian socialist. What's a Fabian socialist? Well, Fabian socialism was started in London in 1883. And a Fabian socialist wants socialism by evolution, not revolution. They want it over time. And... Frankly, right now, my friends, there's a war going on within the liberals' department and between those who are the Fabian socialists who want to do it over time and those who are the outright revolutionary Marxists who want it right now, who think the time is uh, fleeting and we may not get another chance, we better go now. So there's a war going on between the liberals right now, between the Fabian socialists, like uh, some of our Republican friends who are Fabian socialists, Right? And some of the more uh, uh, moderate Democrats that are Fabian socialist. And then your extreme liberals who are just flat out revolutionaries. And so there's a battle going on. But your Fabian socialist wants evolution, uh, socialism by evolution, not revolution. And that's what John Maynard Keynes was. The end game of a Fabian socialist is this, global governance. That's the end game goal of a Fabian socialist. They want global governance. John Maynard Keynes, by the way, you know what he said? John Maynard Keynes said, this is how we implement socialism. By a continuous process of inflation. By a continuous process of printing money. <laughs> he said, by a continuous process of inflation, governments can confiscate uh, secretly and unobserved an important part of the wealth of their citizens. By this method, they not only confiscate, arbitra- they, they, they not only confiscate but they confiscate arbitrarily. And while the process uh, impoverishes some, it actually enriches others, like Al Gore and others who make billions of dollars on cap and trade and trading carbon credits. The process engages all the hidden forces of economic law on the side of destruction, and it does so in a manner that not one man in a million can diagnose. My friends, today our currency has been so inflated since the creation of the Federal Reserve, which is completely unconstitutional, but it came about in 1913. By the way, Congress is supposed to be in control of the money, and the Constitution calls for it to be backed by gold and silver. You can thank a man who said he wasn't a Fabian socialist, but then and after he got into the White House, Richard Nixon said, I'm a Fabian socialist, close the gold window. And today, compared to 1913, your dollar is worth four to five cents. In 2009, they inflated our currency by 74% over 84 days. Actually, they did that in 2008. Inflated our currency by 74% over 84 days. Amazing, huh? And that's nothing compared to what they've done. This is inflation. It takes more dollars to buy things, devaluing your currency, stealing your wealth, stealing your capital, so you cannot be a capitalist. What's the Bible say about this? The Bible has two Ten Commandments against this. One is, thou shalt not covet. The other one is, thou shalt not steal. And anytime you steal from someone or take from someone what's not rightfully yours, you are stealing. And when you take from someone what's not rightfully yours and give it to someone else, that is theft, that is coveting, that is redistribution of wealth, that is socialism. And yet many Christians think our progressive income tax system is exactly what needs to happen because this is the way to make sure that everybody has what they need. What did Karl Marx say? My goal is to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. So John Maynard Keynes. Here's what Zygmunt Dobbs writing about 
Cain said, and this book's available for free online. He said, singing the red flag, the highborn sons of the British upper class lay on the carpeted floor, spinning out socialist schemes and homosexual intermissions. The attitude in such gatherings was anti-establishmentarian. To them, the older generation was horribly out of date, even superfluous. The capitalist system was declared obsolete and revolution was proclaimed as the only solution. Christianity was pronounced an enemy force. All of these people hate Christianity. All of them. And the worst sort of depravities were eulogized is that love which passes all Christian understanding. Chief among this ring of homosexual revolutionaries was none other than John Maynard Keynes. Keynes was characterized by his male sweetheart as a liberal, a sodomite, an atheist, a statistician, and in particular depravity was the sexual molestation of little boys. Yeah. And it goes on today through the promotion of another gentleman I talk about in my book, and I use that word loosely, John, uh, John Maynard Keynes did this, but so did another guy by the name of Alfred Kinsey. Alfred Kinsey, a whole chapter on him, who said children should be sexually active by age six. Did you hear on foxnews.com this week, the school passing out contraceptives to six-year-olds? As soon as I was sitting at my desk and I heard that, I lifted my head and I thought, six years old. Why six years old? John... Uh, uh, Alfred Kinsey. The kids must be sexually active by six years old before they're influenced by Christianity. John Maynard Keynes. And Alfred Kinsey. You see, you start seeing these guys, these 21 radicals, I was able to connect a lot of their worldviews and their beliefs and their perversions together. Because guess what? They're serving the same master. So my friends, what are they doing to us? They're creating a major crisis on purpose. We began to speak about this uh, well over a year ago, about a year and a half ago, and we sent it out to all the talk show hosts. I sent it to my friend David Limbaugh to give to Rush. I sent it to Glenn Beck's producers and other folks, and thankfully some of them now for the last several months have been speaking about it. My friend James Simpson wrote a breaking, groundbreaking article on our website about the manufactured crisis and the cloward Piven strategy to deliberately collapse the system, and that's what they're doing. And there's this book uh, Pulitzer Prize winning author James McGregory Burns wrote in his book in 84, The Power to Lead, said, let's face it, the framers have, of the Constitution have been too shrewd for us. They've been too smart for us. He said, we cannot just tinker around and have braille, uh, frail bridges. We've got to turn the founders on their head, but the American people will not let us go where we need to go. The only way they're going to accept these radical alien changes to our form of government is through a stupendous and during a stupendous national crisis. My friends, Lenin said, you need at least two things for a, for a uh, revolution. You need a crisis and you need the youth of the middle class. And my friends, they've got both right now. A crisis and boy, they've got the youth of the middle class. They unfortunately predominantly have the youth of our own evil evangelical churches. Saul Alinsky is someone I would look at in the book Grave Influence. He also is involved in this spiritual battle because guess who he dedicated his book to? Saul Alinsky. Satan. I think they've even taken it out of some of the books now, but I have some of the originals where the Ford was dedicated to Satan. Lest we forget, at least an over-the-shoulder acknowledgement to the very first radical from all our legends, mythology, and history, the first radical known to man who rebelled against the establishment and did so effectively, did so effectively that at least won his own kingdom, Lucifer. Our president studied Sololinsky. Our president taught Sololinsky. Our secretary of state, Hillary Clinton, wrote her thesis on Alinsky. Alinsky wanted her to come work for him. She decided to go instead and be a staffer on Capitol Hill. My friends, we have people that are committed to the ideas of Saul Alinsky, who was a neo-Marxist. Neo meaning new. He's a new kind of Marxist. 
What does that mean? He did not believe that you could have a revolution through guns and bullets. He believed the way to have a revolution that lasted was to penetrate every institution of a culture, education, church, law, science, economics, and bring it down. It is what the Italian communist Antonio Gramsci called the long march through the institutions. And that's who Solinsky studied, Antonio Gramsci, an Italian communist who said to Mussolini, you're going about this all the wrong way. Not guns, not bullets. Change their heart. Change their worldview. And they'll love their servitude. He didn't like it. He threw him in jail where he died. Alinsky studied Antonio Gramsci, wrote Rules for Radicals. Obama studied it, taught it. Hillary wrote her thesis, as I said, on it. And it's the philosophy that's running today. What all did Alinsky say? He said that a community organizer... And by the way, he used the word change in his book over and over. And by change, he means revolution. And he used the phrase community organizer, which our president was. A community organizer is first and foremost committed to relativism. What's the Bible say about relativism? Genesis 3, 1 through 5. Satan appears to Adam and Eve and says to them, you decide what is right and what is wrong. One of the very lies of humanism. And that's what a community organizer must be committed to. Truth is relative. You see, this is so important that we're teaching not truth is relative, but truth is absolute. And what is truth? The Bible says, thy word is truth. Why is thy word truth? Because it's reflection of God's character and nature. It's so important that we're hooking the Bible to the character and nature of God. Otherwise, we're involved in teaching legalism to our kids, a book of rules, of do's and don'ts. But when you connect it to the character and nature of God, why don't we murder? Ask a young person, they'll say, because the Bible says not to. Why does the Bible say not to? Because God doesn't like murder. But why does God not like murder? And why does the Bible say not to murder? That's the end of the conversation. They don't know. The answer is, the Bible says not to murder because God is opposed to murder because murder is not consistent with his character and nature. Why is purity right? Because he is pure. Why is honesty right? Because he is truth. Everything must come back to the theology and doctrine and the character and nature of God. But my friends, in conclusion, let me just tell you this. Julian Huxley, the brother of Aldous Huxley, said years ago, this is what would happen. (laughs) He said, at the moment, two opposing philosophies of life confront each other. You may categorize the two philosophies as two supranationalisms, or as individualism versus collectivism, or as capitalism versus communism, or as Christianity versus Marxism. I don't know what you call it, he said. You can call it whatever you want. But can these opposites be reconciled? This antithesis be resolved in a higher synthesis? I believe not only that this can happen, but through the exhortable dialectic of evolution, it must happen. What's he saying? These opposing ideas will merge. They will synthesize, produce a mixture of both, and people will follow them, including Marxism and Christianity coming together, and we call it liberation theology, social justice, Reverend Jeremiah Wright, Reverend Jim Wallace, and many of our church denominations are buying it. I saw one major denomination has a leader who keeps talking about the importance of social justice. We have one major evangelical leader inside the Southern Baptist sitting on a uh, U.S. Muslim engagement committee with people he says are moderates, but when I researched them, they're outright radicals. They're not moderates. You cannot build bridges with people that want to kill you. Why do we need to call it social justice? Why do we use their phrases? Why do we have to have these stupid conventions where these guys with their silly dyed straight up pointed hair and big thick black glasses looking so immature, trying to be so relevant, need to get together and have a retreat coming up with one of our major denominations on how to write a thesis on what missional means. Why do we have to be so cute by half? Why can't we just simply say we are going to fulfill the great commission and use the biblical terms?
You have been watching a portion of a presentation made by Brandon House at our 2010 Bible Conference whose theme was Defending the Faith. The Lord willing, next week we will share excerpts from another presentation that was made at that conference. It will feature Mike Gendron who spoke on the truth of the Bible. Until then, this is Dave Reagan speaking for Lamb and Lion Ministries saying, Look up, be watchful, for our redemption is drawing near. The presentation you have just seen was made at the Lamb and Lion Bible Conference in 2010 and is included in a video album we have produced titled Defending the Faith. The album contains six sermons on three DVDs and it can be yours for a gift of $25 or more plus shipping. The first presentation titled The Truth of the Christian Worldview was made by Brandon House. Mike Gendron in the second presentation speaks about the truth of the Bible. The third presentation titled The Truth of Creation was made by Dr. Joe Martin. Eric Barger in the fourth presentation speaks about the truth of Jesus' divinity. In the fifth presentation, Dr. David Reagan speaks about the truth of the virgin birth. And finally, Dr. Ron Rhodes in the sixth presentation speaks about the truth of the resurrection. This album can be yours for a gift of $25 or more plus shipping. Thank you for joining us on today's Christ in Prophecy, a presentation of Lamb and Lion Ministries, a non-denominational ministry dedicated to teaching the fundamentals of biblical prophecy and proclaiming the soon return of Jesus.